Welcome to the Mind Design Sports Podcast. I'm Brandon, and in each episode, I'll be talking about sports psychology with the guest speaker. If you want to design your sports experience, you've come to the right place. If you want more tips and insights on how to improve your sports performance mentally, check out our website and other podcasts at mind-designsports.org. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm with Alan Hua, a highly ranked tennis player and a friend of mine from middle school. Today, we'll be talking about tennis, Alan's experience with sports and sports psychology and tips from a high school perspective. Alan, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brandon. Um, just that was a pretty quick introduction. So just I guess you can add on anything that you like, um, maybe the sport you play, when you started to play and really whatever you want. Yeah, so I'm a tennis player. I've been playing since I was like five years old. Um, my dad got me into tennis uh, from a really early age. Um, other than tennis, I played soccer a little bit up until sixth grade. Um, but yeah, just throughout my tennis career, my highest rankings have been eight in the country, one in the Eastern section. Um, and I won the national indoor championships in doubles and uh, third place in singles, um, in 2017. Yeah, those sounds like pretty big achievements, but, um, how has COVID-19 affected you? Is it has it impacted you positively, negatively, or just not really much? Yeah, it was a it was a little bit of an obstacle um, in the beginning when everything started to, be, to get canceled. First tournaments were canceled, um, and so I took like a three month break from January of 2020 um, until I guess the end of the summer when when tournaments were all canceled. Um, and during that time, I was just doing mostly home workouts. Um, nothing really tennis specific, but just staying in good physical shape. And uh, I eventually reached out to a neighbor who had a, a tennis court in their backyard and they uh, let me and my dad go and play. And and that's kind of how I battled the COVID situation until practices were back and tournaments were back. Got it. Um, being such a highly ranked recruit that puts so much time with this tennis, how do you manage your time as a student um, in the classroom as well as tennis? Yeah, so that's that's part of the reason why I chose to switch to an online school. Um, so I went to a regular school, went to middle school with Brandon um, up until seventh grade. And then the start of eighth grade, I switched to doing an online school um, just for flexibility so that I could, you know, get the best of both worlds. So I could, you know, do the best um, in my education and then, you know, have the, the opportunities to travel and have my practices and, and kind of do both at the same time. Um, but I, I try to keep both of them separate. You know, when I'm doing school, I focus on school. Uh, and when I'm doing tennis, I don't want to let any of the stress or, or busyness of my school affect that. Um, but my education is definitely my priority. And so when things get busy, you know, I might take a couple of days off of practice and just catch up on my schoolwork. Um, so that's kind of how I manage my time. Definitely. How does how do you like online school? Like um, not a lot of people know what that is and everyone usually goes to school, but like starting from eighth grade, how has it like impacted you? Yeah. So online school, pretty much how it works is, you know, I have live classes over zoom, just like a lot of other people right now um, with COVID and we meet uh, twice a week for each class, um, one hour classes. And that I have those scheduled more towards the end of my day because uh, I practice during the middle of the day around one to three or, or a little bit earlier. And so pretty much throughout the day, I do my assignments, my schoolwork, um, like in the morning before practice, 
or in between my classes or at night. So pretty much my day is, is I have tennis and then I do my schoolwork and my classes anytime that I'm not on the court. Um, that's pretty much how it works for me. Yeah. You kind of talked about like how you kind of operate. So can you tell the audience like what it really takes the time you put into become such a highly ranked tennis uh, player, like what time you wake up and then like kind of just your day in the life. Yeah. So um, before, when I first started doing online classes um, in ninth grade, eighth grade, I was playing about four hours of tennis. Um, I was playing, you know, like two sessions, two hour sessions. And then sometimes like, you know, physical training, working on my strength training and endurance and things like that. Right now, I've switched to only playing around two hours of tennis um, a day, some days, three and a half or four. Um, but pretty much I would wake up around seven, seven in the morning, eight in the morning. You know, I'd, I'd get some assignments done. Then I have practice around one to three. So I have that block there. And then if I have some other academic things that I have to do, like some SAT classes and things like that. Um, usually that's like from three o'clock to five o'clock. Um, I have classes in the afternoons around five or some classes at even eight and 9 p.m. Um, and just like I said, in between those times, I'm just doing my schoolwork. Um, and, and that's pretty much it. Eating, you know, my meals and and yeah. Yeah, definitely. And do you get a lot of free times? And if you do, like, what does that look like? What, how do you like de-stress from tennis and like school and like all that stuff? Um, and what would you advise like a younger athlete to do when they have free time? Is it to be on like YouTube all day or is there something better? Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely a more like it's, it's a more personal question. Like it, it everybody has a different way of winding down and things like that. Um, but in my case, you know, free time is definitely limited. Um, you know, just trying to focus on my grades and focus on my tennis and other things um, like SAT classes and things like that it takes up definitely takes up a lot of my time. Um, so on my free times on the weekends when I don't have tournaments, I like to spend time with my friends, hang out with them. Um, and during the week, I like I like to wind down at night. So that's when I'll you know watch a couple of YouTube videos, watch a show um based on my friends and that's kind of my like winding down winding down time yeah got it definitely because i feel like as athletes you got to just wind down sometimes and kind of um take the pressure off yourself it's super important and um yeah. yeah so i i've known you since middle school and i know like you've been really good since middle school like how was it how was that transition from middle school to high school is it difficult and if so like do you have advice for maybe those seventh or eighth graders out there that's going to transition next year? Um, I guess for tennis players and athletes in general. Yeah. So in my case with tennis, tennis, um, you know, most of my tournaments are through the USTA um, and they're separate. I never got the chance to play high school, um, play tennis on the high school team because I switched to an online school, but, you know, going from like when I was in eighth grade to ninth grade, I definitely saw a difference in, you know, the size of the kids I was playing. And I think that goes for all sports, you know, people grow up, get bigger, get stronger. Um, and for me, I think that when I was 12 and in middle school and 11, I was able to, you know, get away with my athleticism and beat some kids that, you know, might even be more talented or skilled than me, but just being a good athlete, I could pull that kind of pull that off. Um, but definitely like 
I've seen it's it's a pretty tough transition, or I think it's the most difficult transition to go from like middle school athletics to high school because things just get a lot more serious. Um, a lot, you know, people put more pressure on themselves to do well for like really competitive athletes, then, you know, getting recruited for college comes into play. Um, so it definitely gets more serious going from middle school to, to high school. So when you get into like ninth grade, do you play against your age group or do you play against people in like the varsity like area? How does it work for tennis? Yeah. So for tennis, um, especially, well, specifically for USDA tournaments, they have um, a bunch of different age groups. So they have the 12 and under, um, 14 and under, 16 and under, and 18 and unders. And if you're 12, you can play the 16s or if you're good enough um, or the 18s. Um, But basically, you know, as you age out, you know, when you become 15, then you can only play, you know, the 16s and the 18s. Um, And as you turn 13, you can only play the 14s, 16s and 18s. So yeah, for me, it's kind of playing the same amount of like the same kids because they're also aging up. Um, but a lot of people try to play up uh, a division and, and things like that just to get some experience against better players. So, yeah, I would definitely say the people who I've been competing with since I was 12 are, you know, it's still the same people. I still see the same faces at tournaments and things like that. Got it. What do you, what are one to two things maybe that you think really made you? become so competitive like maybe was it something in your upbringing or was it something a coach or anything really yeah so you know I definitely had I think a really good start my dad started me with tennis um and when I was eight years old he would take me out um I would wake up at 4 30 in the morning go play from five to six before he he had work um and then that was kind of and then I'd go and, and hang out before my school started so I think from a really early age, like all the fundamental values and, and character traits, I was like kind of building. Um, I got accepted into this program. It was called the USDA feeder program, where I was constantly surrounded by really high level coaches. Um, and so I was always learning how to be, you know, professional and, and, you know, building a good work ethic. And I think that has carried me to becoming, you know, where I got to, um, with tennis. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, people say, Oh, you got talent, you got this and that. Um, but I think that just putting in the work and always trying to improve and having the right mindset made the the biggest difference to, to having success, especially in tennis. Absolutely. You mentioned USTA a couple of times. What is that? And does that have to do with like the U S national team that you played with? Yeah, so the USDA is the United States Tennis Association. Um, and with tennis, it's it's basically like you sign up for tournaments. Um, some tournaments, like the higher level nationals and, and things like that, you have to get in based off of your ranking. Um, so pretty much all tournaments are, they're pretty much called USDA. There's a couple other ones like ITF, which is international. Um, and so, yeah, USDA, they also had a program that I got accepted to for practice and and yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much what that is. And the USA team that I played for, that was um, actually an international uh, competition that I got an invitation to. Um, they had a like, couple different countries, Mexico, Spain, Canada, Israel, and Brazil. Um, and that was really a really great experience to play kids from, from all around the world. And, and my team, actually, we won first place. So yeah, that was, that's definitely something to remember in my, my tennis career. Nice. How did playing with those international like 
uh, players affect, like, did they give you a different perspective or, um, and also like how did being surrounded by such like people that were just like you, like really competitive and grinded all day, like how did that affect you? Was it like kind of intimidating at first or did it actually just push you to become better or? No, I think it was a really great experience because, you know, all these kids, you see them warming up as a team, you know, all these chants and, and I wouldn't say I was, it's intimidating, but it just shows you like, yeah, the things that my coaches are telling us to do and how to work as a team um, and encourage each other and, and, you know, all the things that we're supposed to be doing, you know, these kids from Mexico, Spain, Israel, you know, Brazil, they're also doing the same thing. Um, and so that was just, you know, I think in an environment like that, everyone pushes themselves to, to be even better. Like you see that team doing well and, and then it motivates you to also take your team far. Um, so it was great to, to just kind of know that, you know, even around the world, all tennis players are kind of in the same boat doing the same thing. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, does the fame of being like that super competitive athlete that's like ranked and all across the website, like web pages and Google, how does that impact you? Um, does it get into your head and does it like kind of boost your ego or yeah? I mean, um, I've always tried to keep, you know, my, my tennis life separate from my social life. Um, you know, when I go to practice and I go to tournaments, I see all my, my tennis friends and, and peers over there. Um, and, you know, people say like, oh, weren't you ranked this and rank that? But I mean, that's just kind of, you know, I don't take it as like, oh, this is so cool. This is, this is great. I mean, I've been, this is kind of what I've been working for to get to this, this sort of level. Um, and, and yeah, that's just kind of how I take it. It's just, yeah, this is what I've been working for. It's, it's great that, you know, I'm at a, a high level and I have the opportunity to, to travel, um, to go to different places around the country and play tournaments. And yeah, I just kind of take it as like, you know, a grateful opportunity to have all this um, that tennis has, you know, given me the, the opportunity to pursue. Yeah, kind of like a question similar to that. So when you get those like really when you're like ranked pretty high and you see that and people always like ask you, um, how do you not get complacent? How do you be like, oh, since I'm a four to five star athlete, I can slack off now and I could take it a little easy on myself. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, you know, people are like, wow, that's so cool. You're ranked this in the country, this in the state. Yeah. Um, but I kind of take my journey with tennis as just the head down kind of uh, way to go about it. Like I have my goals I'm trying to achieve um, and whatever people think about my achievements or my failures and things like that, I kind of just push it aside. You know, I'm working towards something. And so that's what I'm going to be focused on. And every day I'm going to be trying to improve more and more. Um, and so it, it definitely, in terms of getting to like the high level that I did in the twelves with, you know, winning a, a national champion tournament and you know having a high ranking it sort of affected me in a negative way in terms of trying to maintain that um I was you know trying to be like well I, I reached this level now I can't lose to these certain kids and that um and that's kind of a mistake that I think I made early on but as I'm getting older I'm realizing that you know the achievements the accomplishments the wins and the losses like they say something but you know, if I'm putting in the work and trying to improve and doing better and I am improving, then my results are going to improve. Um, so that's kind of how I take it. Nice. 
Um, I know you said that you work with a sports psychologist and I'm sure you understand how important the mental side of the game is. And yeah, like this podcast kind of tries to talk about the mental side of things. So I guess the, my next focus of questions will be about the mentality side. So what is your experience with sports psychology? And um, do you work with a coach or do you like just use online tools and blogs and resources? Yeah, so I started working with a sports psychologist when I was 12. Um, and that's, you know, that's when I reached like my highest achievements in, in tennis. And from there, things started to go downhill. You know, I was, I was in a big slump losing to players that I knew I was better than I knew I had a higher ranking than, um, you know, it was just like a kind of confusing thing. It's like, I've been working for this. I'm working even harder and harder. Why, why is my performance going downhill in matches and why am I not improving? And so I started working with that sports psychologist. Um, and we have calls and I, I follow his program, his program lists a lot of, you know, a lot of information He has a couple books, but then also the things that I'm supposed to be doing on court to perform my best and on practice, you know, to perform my best. Um, and, and that stuff is in terms of routines, what I'm doing on the court, how I'm reacting to my mistakes. Um, and then my mindset, like, how am I thinking? Is this the best way to just the best mindset to have if I want to perform my best or improve the fastest. Um, and so, yeah, I've been, you know, it's been four years since I started working with that sports psychologist. And then only now when I'm 16, I feel like it's starting to all come together and I'm starting to really understand, you know, how to go about sports psychology and, and being mentally fit and tough to, you know, imp make the, the biggest improvements that I can and to perform my best. So looking back at it, what do you think caused your slump? I, I mean, everyone goes through a slump, but sometimes it's kind of difficult to find like that pinpoint of what causing what caused it. And I'm sure like whatever caused that, I guess a lot of younger athletes also probably do as well. So what was it? Do you know? Yeah. So um, for me, what happened was I felt like in the 12s, like I said, I got away with a lot of wins based off of being a good athlete, you know, being really athletic and getting to as many balls as I can, just putting one more back in the court. Um, but something that I've always struggled with in tennis and I still struggle with today is just dealing with fear. Um, you know, I would get on the court and in practice, I would be, well, let's say on practice, I'd be loose and free and go for my shots and, and everything would kind of work well. But then when I get into a match, I get super scared. I don't really want to go for this. Um, I just get, you know, tight and tentative and not really committed to my performance. And so I was really confused about what was going on. And I don't think I really understood that I was just, you know, the fear, I wasn't handling the fear well um, with performing. And, and so I think now I've got a better a grasp of how to deal with that um, and, you know, techniques and routines and, and ways to think about um, or things to think about when I'm playing. But yeah, I just kind of, I think I made the problem so much worse and just continued it by always questioning myself and being like, what's going on? Why, why am I working so hard and I'm not getting any results or, or this doesn't make any sense. Is this mental? Is this, is this my skill level? Um, and so that was kind of confusing to me. Um, and as I got older, it, it, feel, it felt like things were just getting more and more difficult. Like my losses were getting, I was losing more and more and, and, but I wanted it more and more. And so I think when I finally let go and 
realize that, hey, I'm playing this sport because I enjoy it. Let me take the information from my sports psychologist, take the information from the YouTube videos I watch, take the information from my coaches and just put it into play the best that I can and whatever happens, happens. And that's kind of how I let go of, you know, trying to control my performance so much and, and being so scared to lose and, and scared to miss shots. And now I'm just more free and having fun and, and you know, doing whatever, whatever my abilities let me to do. Nice. Good for you. Yeah. I think a lot of um, younger athletes also deal with that. Like, Oh, I don't want to make a mistake. So I'm not going to um, play like I do in practice. So yeah, thanks for that. And um, <clears throat> do you have a routine that you go into before a match or do you have a favorite sports psychology technique like that you like to do just to get into the zone, I guess? Yeah. So I think in terms of, of, you know, like mental toughness in, in sports psychology, there's a lot of things, routines and, and things that I do, but I kind of look at it as not something that I'm doing, but I'm adding this into like the person that I am. Um, like, for example, you know, writing down my goals every single week for practice and going into practice, knowing I'm only going to focus on these things and I'm not going to move on from these things until I complete them. Um, and then in terms of when I'm actually playing and on the court, even in practice too, you know, doing the things I need to do to deal with my mistakes and not let them bother me. Like, you know, breathing in colors is, is one technique that uh, my sports psychologist introduced to me hopping after I make mistakes and, and bouncing around and jumping around just to prevent my mind from, you know, thoughts from coming in. Um, and I have this, this headset, it's called brain tap that I listen to with my personal audios and on my personal audios, I describe like myself playing tennis in, in the ideal situation. Like I describe, Oh, I'm playing this way. I am playing this way. I'm this good. I'm, I'm practicing like this. And I listen to these audios kind of every day, every night. And it's almost like programming my, my subconscious mind that this is the player that I want to be. This is how I want to play. And then when I go into tournaments and I focus on these routines, like I breathe in colors or I visualize myself playing well, I, I focus on my tennis strings, um, sing, sing a song in the back of my head just to distract my conscious mind. Um, then it sort of brings out all of this programming and all of my, my scripts that I've written of how I want to play. Um, and I let that kind of take over. So that's kind of how, what mental, like, or my sports psychologist, how that's played a role in, in my tennis. Nice. I think that like um, talking to yourself, things kind of like visualization, like kind of visualizing yourself as that player that you want to become that ideal player. That's pretty cool. What do you mean by just curious? Like what does breathing in colors mean? Yeah. So that's one, a really good technique um, that I like to do when maybe I'm getting a little bit riled up and, and my brain is getting a little bit crowded. I feel like I've kind of left the zone, you know, like when I get into the zone, everything's going great, but start to miss a couple of shots and then start to panic. So what I do is I picked a color, I picked the color blue and that color symbolizes confidence, you know, being relaxed, refreshed, having a clear mind and energy and just being pumped up. And so I close my eyes and I pretend, you know, breathing in that color. And then I associate a different color. I, so I use purple as all those negative thoughts and emotions and the fear and the stress. And then when I'm exhaling, I'll ex out, exhale out that color. Um, and I think that what it does is when I'm playing tennis and I'm, I start to make all these mistakes and I realize that I'm playing bad, 
I start to just crowd my brain with all these thoughts and things like that. And that prevents me from, from playing my best. Um, but when I focus in on something like that, on feeling good and absorbing, you know, just positive energy and, and, and that, then I kind of bring myself, I'm able to bring myself back to, to getting into that, into the zone and, and playing my best, you know, without any thoughts in my, in my head and no distractions. Nice. Yeah. I love that uh, colors idea. And I think it's super effective. Do you, with your time, like four years as uh, working with a sports psychologist, how has that built you? How has it built your character? Has it like taught you any lessons maybe off the court? Um, uh, yeah. Just as you as a person. Yeah. So um, like, I, like I said, I like to think of everything as, you know, everything that I do is just me investing in myself and trying to be the best version of myself. Um, you know, the things I read about, like the right mindset to go when I'm practicing, you know, not to worry about outside things that might affect me and to stay in my own lane um, and to, you know, things like celebrating all the mini victories that I have, all the little accomplishments, or if I hit a great shot, you know, I'll fist bump and be like, let's go. That was great. Um, and focusing on that instead of focusing on things like, oh, I just missed this shot. How, how am I not going to miss it next time? What should I do now? Um, and kind of dwelling on those negatives. So all the little things like that from um, my sports psychologist have just helped me deal with times when I need to perform my best and I'm under pressure. And then even just in my regular everyday life, you know, when I get stressed with school, you know, I'll just, I'm not going to crowd my brain and, and go, you know, panic and, and all these things. I'm just going to take a step back, you know, realize what's going on and tackle it the best way that I can uh, and just, you know, prevent myself from getting overwhelmed. So a lot of the things I've learned from my sports psychologist have, have translated into helping me in tennis and then also just helping me in my life. Cool. If you were to talk to a younger tennis athlete, maybe in sixth grade, and he hasn't started sports psychology yet, what would you tell him or her? Like you should do sports psychology because tennis specifically like why does a tennis player specifically need to use sports psychology um is there something in tennis specifically that you need a strong mentality for yeah i think tennis is is really known for a lot of people you know turning to sports psychology and you know tennis is like it's really imperfect sport you know there's so many variables the weather how you're feeling that day how you're playing and it's really hard to be consistent and to perform consistently in tennis and so I think sports psychology the for me at least the main goal or the main reason that I try to become as mentally tough as possible is so that I can perform my best you know bring out all of my abilities that I've been practicing um, when I'm competing and then also to to bring myself back and and not let all these little obstacles that you know I'll face in a match or even just in practice and not let them affect me. Um, so that's why I think that goes for, for all sports. Like if you're practicing and, and you know, you have a certain, you're at a certain skill level, but then you're going into your soccer games or your, your basketball games or football games, and you're not performing well at all, then it's, it's really, it's definitely very discouraging when that happens. And so I think that sports psychology is extremely important in order to like bring out the best because you know, that's what we're all practicing for to, to improve. But if you can't showcase that, then, you know, that's not really a good feeling at all. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know you touched on this a little bit before, but if you want to add on anything or an example, why are sports important? Yeah, I think sports, 
um, especially playing sports at a competitive level, just prepare people for, you know, it, it, not that it can prepare people for like future challenges that they face in their life, but also just build all, all of these great qualities um, that you're going to use in the rest of your life. You know, like waking up at 4.30 in the morning to go play tennis for me, just that was kind of establishing discipline that, you know, this is what I'm working towards. Yes, I have to sacrifice, you know, staying late and I have to go to bed at eight, eight o'clock. Um, but this is what I'm working for. So, you know, discipline there, sacrifice there, learning patience, you know, because I practice every single day for the past, I don't know, nine, 10 years that I've been playing tennis. Um, and so it's not like you see improvements immediately. You know, if you're playing every single, just like when you see your, your family, you don't notice, notice them growing taller, but like when other people see them, they're like, Oh, you're so tall. Um, and so patience is another thing I've learned, um, through that, you know, dealing with losses, dealing with failure and not taking those as failures, but opportunities to improve is another thing that I've learned from tennis. You know, like people go through difficult times in their life and they get really discouraged and, and stressed with school or, or whatever it is that's going on. Um, but really, if you, if you look at that in, in a, in a form of how can I, what can I learn from this? How can I prepare myself better for future challenges? What can I learn from improve from this or how can I be better next time? Then I think that that's where you see the benefit of playing sports and, and the qualities that it builds in a person and an athlete. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. I agree on all of that. Um, yeah. My last sort of like question focus for like this section of sports ecology is um you're sponsored with like tennis gear, right? You get tennis gear from a certain company. Yes. Yeah, so I am sponsored by head. Um, and it's not, it's nothing crazy. I, I get, they send me a package once a year. Um, I get my rackets that I want, the strings that I want, um, grips, you know, basically just equipment. Um, and yeah, it's, it doesn't really play a big, any, I don't let it really play any big factor like you know my friends are like hey you're that's so cool you're sponsored or whatever but you know I just kind of take it as like you know this is great this is something that I'm working for and and I've gotten to a level where now I don't have to worry about paying for my equipment so you know that's where I, I'm kind of just grateful for for that um and that I can have free equipment from you know my sponsors and and uh yeah other than that it's really it doesn't really play much of a, a role in anything Nice. So having the sponsor, like, does it push you to be always like become better? Because um, maybe if you're like, if you don't start to play well, like you will lose a sponsorship. Um, does it like really keep pushing you to continue to get that sponsor? Um, I would say that with those things in terms of my motivation, like my main motivation is becoming, you know, just the, the best version of myself. Um, like I don't play tennis so that I can remain sponsored um by you know head or whoever i'm, I'm sponsored by um and i don't really look at oh i need to do well in this tournament otherwise they might drop me you know i think when i start to think that way it just puts on a lot of like extra pressure um and so you know i just kind of take it as you know i'm just gonna be the best that i can and practice the best that i can and 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 play the best I can in tournaments. And, you know, if I'm sponsored and I get free equipment, then great. Thank you for that. And if not, then, you know, that's okay. I just keep doing what I'm doing. Um, so I try not to let that affect my, my motivation and my goals. And I just try to stay in my lane and focus on what I'm trying to, to achieve. 
Yeah, I think um, what you're basically saying is like you just have that intrinsic motivation to play tennis for the fun of it and to become your best self. And you don't need those like sponsorships to motivate you to keep playing. Like that's just an extra thing on the side, which is great to have, but it's not necessary. And yeah, I totally agree. Um, with so much experience and like wisdom that you have, you've been playing for so long, like 10 plus years, I think you can give some great advice. So my first question for you would be like, what is one habit a young athlete can begin today to start developing their mental skills in their sport? Um, for me, I think in, in what I found as the most impactful and, and uh, something that has helped me to perform my best in tennis is learning to create like, you know, my optimal performance state, like my mindset, how, how I'm competing. And then also in practice, um, so that I can practice my best. Um, and I think a lot of people get confused um, when they say, oh, when you're playing and, and try to have a clear mind, try not to focus on anything or think about anything. You know, in tennis, like you have to keep track of the score, your strategy, where you're going to hit the ball, all these things like that. So it's not so much in a literal sense. Um, but when I like talk about like creating my optimal performance state or, or my mindset, um, I like to be clear and focused. And in order to do that, I like to block out all the negative thoughts and opinions and, and emotions that I have when I'm competing, like, you know, dealing. And one of the uh, really important thing to, to do that is, you know, after mistakes, you know, how are you dealing with these mistakes? Are you going to dwell over them and, and be like, oh, I can't believe I just missed this. What if I miss it again? Or are you going to move on and go back to what you were doing and not let, let that affect you? Um, and so I think when, when it comes to having that open and, and clear mindset, it has a lot to do with, um, yes, blocking out like mistakes that you made so that they don't affect you and thoughts don't come in, but also just trusting in your abilities and, and trusting your, trusting that you can perform your best. Um, like, you know, when I was 12, I didn't trust that I could perform my best. That's why I went into every match scared to miss the ball. And I, I lost so many matches, um, but when I just, I, I think about it, like, all right, this is what I've been practicing for. You know, I've been working on this. It's a tournament now. Now it's time to just showcase this and do my best to, to show my abilities and to, to, you know, try to win. Then that's, I think that's how I've become more successful. So for someone, you know, that wants to develop their mental game, I would focus on how they're thinking about or, or how they're, they're going about when they're like competing or, or playing in tournaments or matches or games um, and just having the confidence when they're out there on the field or on the court or, or wherever it is, um, and trusting themselves to, to perform their best and, and not let any negative thoughts or emotions and, and let those things distract you from, from playing your best. Yeah, that's great advice. What is one underrated thing that you do that you'd like to share with the audience? Um, perhaps it's something in your daily routine, um, hygiene wise, body wise, mentality wise. Yeah, I like to, you know, because I've been working with a sports psychologist for so long and I'm around so many coaches and getting all this great advice, I like to write down um, the important things that people tell me. And, you know, I can write it down on my phone or write it down in, in a book that I have. And I'll write down like, you know, lessons that I've, I've learned, ways to think about things, um, you know, just maybe even realizations like, um, that just helped me stay centered and stay focused. And I'll read those things every single day um, as often as I can, 
because I find that when I when I'm trying to make changes, especially mental changes, and I'm trying to think a different way and not let these negative things affect me and to be more positive and and be more free in my sport. If I don't look at what I'm if I don't focus on what I'm doing and the changes that I'm trying to make, then they start to slip away from me. So when I constantly remind myself with, you know, the, the type of changes that I'm trying to make, the type of person that I'm trying to be on the court and on the practice court, um, then I think that's how I made or anybody can make the biggest improvement in being more mentally tough and, and putting the, that advice into into play. Yeah. So like keeping yourself accountable and like on task, definitely that's important. Yeah. Um, we've been in the pandemic for like over a year now and it's been super tough. I know you said like a lot of uh, you guys like highly ranked has took a toll on your ranking. Um, provide some advice for athletes right now as we as a society look to come out out of this pandemic. Yeah. I mean, I think that with COVID, with it limiting, you know, certain opportunities, like, you know, some people can't go to their sports practices or are kind of stuck in their home or things like that. I think it's important to just do the best that you can with what you have, you know, like in the beginning, before I, I reached out to my neighbor who had a, a tennis court in their backyard, I was just, you know, I wasn't doing anything really tennis specific. And, and the only opportunity I had to improve in something was through strength training and, and bettering my endurance. And so I think people tend to overlook um, the little things when it comes to improving in a sport, like people think that, oh, you need an entire basketball court to improve in, in basketball, or you need an entire tennis court to be a better tennis player. But really, you can improve in anything anywhere. So I wouldn't overlook the little things like, let's say you're a soccer player, and you can't practice with your team, you can go set up cones in your backyard and do dribbling drills all around. And, and that's something that I think a lot of people overlook. They're like, oh, it's canceled. Oh, well, there's nothing I can do. Um, but I think it's, it's good to remember that for competitive athletes, your opponents or future opponents are out there and you're in the same position. So if you want to be better than them, you have to be doing more than them and, and working harder than them. Um, so that I think that's kind of how I dealt with the COVID situation. Oh, wow. I like that last part that you just said. Cool. What is the best leadership advice that you've received and why does it resonate with you so much? I think um, I've always been taught to try to showcase my best abilities and to work as hard as I can and put my best quality of work into playing tennis at all times. You know, like when I was at the USDA in, in their feeder program, there were these high level coaches watching me at all times. Um, and that was when I was really young, like nine or, or 10. And so from there, I've, I've always, in everything that I do, whether I'm in my backyard, just working on my endurance or strength training during COVID, or even back now, like back on the tennis court, I always kind of pretend like someone's watching me so that I can set an example for other people who might be watching me, or I watch them and see what they're doing so that I can learn from them and see, oh, if I see, like when I went to the US, uh, USA team, uh, the international competition, I saw these other teams, you know, warming up together, getting there early to their matches. And that just kind of then creates an environment for my team. And, and we're all like, all right, guys, we got to we got to do the same thing. We got to warm up together. Let's get here at seven in the morning. Let's all prepare together. So I think when when people at all times are doing the best that they can and working the hardest that they can, they're setting a really great example for 
the other people who look over their shoulder at them and they might not realize it, but they, when, you know, when you're working hard and doing that, people, people will notice what you're doing and might be motivated by that. And that can have a big impact on them. So I think it's really important to, to always put in, you know, the best effort that you can and your best quality and, and not to just slack off because it's five minutes left to practice because everything counts. And, and that's how you have a, a greater effect on, on your peers and, and create that really good environment of, you know, a teammates, if you're on a team sport or, you know, tennis, if it's individual and you're just practicing with your peers. hundred percent. I think that kind of connects to the quote, like integrity is doing the right thing. Even when no one's watching, always pushing right. yourself. Um, even when there's five minutes left on the clock and you feel tired, but always trying to do extra and push yourself. So yeah. What my last question is just, what is on the horizon for you? What is some goals you're trying to do? What are you trying to achieve? What's your ultimate goal? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, even recently, um, the beginning of the year or the end of last year, I was really close to quitting tennis. Um, like I said, that slump that I went through in the twelves has still continued. Um, and now I'm finally starting to, to improve my results. Um, but, you know, for me, I'm trying to get away from, okay, I need to get to this certain ranking so that I can be recruited by this coach, or I need to get to this level because I used to beat these kids. And right now I'm just trying to do, you know, the best that I can and just really enjoy tennis, you know, wherever it takes me, it takes me. Um, in terms of my goals, I'm, I'm getting ready to go to San Diego um, in two weeks for a national tournament. And then I'm um, trying to improve my ranking to make sure I make the, the summer nationals. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it. I'm just, you know, still focusing on all these things and, and trying to continue my, my momentum in, in, becoming a more mentally fit tennis player so that I can perform better. Um, and just, you know, seeing where it goes, having fun with it, you know, wherever it takes me, it takes me. Um, but then trying to reach for my goals. And if I make them, I make them, but if not, at least I know that I, I gave my best and, and I gave my best effort to, you know, do my best. And, and I didn't, you know, give up when, when things got hard. Nice. Yeah. And that's a great mentality to have and good luck at the tournament. Um, yeah, I think those are all my questions. Do you have anything else to add on? Maybe like tips, advice, comments, concerns? Yeah. I just think that, you know, for anyone who wants to improve and, and be the best version of themselves as an athlete and, and to make great improvements to become, you know, better than, than their peers or better than everybody else that's around them. Um, I really think that focusing on the psychology aspect of it, plays such a big role. Um, and so whether it's looking on YouTube for, for, for tips and, and advice from people, or if you're, you know, listening to those around you, I think it's important to make sure that you're personalizing the information. Um, you know, like coaches would tell me something and I'd be like, wait, that doesn't really apply to me. You know, I'm not really thinking like this or thing like that. And then we'd move on from that idea, but maybe they'd mention something else. And I'd be like, oh, that makes sense. I can do this to forget about my mistakes or I can do this better and, and perform better. So I think, especially with like sports psychology, it's a very personal thing and it, it varies from person to person. Um, and so when you take in all that advice and you kind of filter it to what are your needs and what are your areas of improvement, then I think that that's the most efficient way to go about it and to see the greatest improvement in your performance and just becoming a better player in whatever sport that that you pursue gotcha well alan thanks so much for joining me and talking to me 
I think you had some great answers and definitely good luck on everything. Uh, I know you've been really highly ranked, so keep that up and good luck on your tennis yeah, career. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me. It was a great experience to share this of course. about uh, sports psychology. Thanks for listening to the Minasan Sports Podcast. Before you leave, please show some love for the podcast by subscribing, liking, and commenting. Stay tuned for next month's podcast with a new guest speaker.